Hey team, thanks for coming by my office. It's me, your favorite coworker. Hi team, we have a special guest in the office today. We're going to hear a side of a story you haven't heard before. It's about a pivot and what it takes when you're feeling inspired to truly change your course. How a passion for fitness turned a lawyer into a Pilates guru. It's about turning passion into an idea, that idea becoming a company, and what it takes to keep that passion and your business alive. Tremble is a Miami-based Pilates empire that's grown from one studio to a multi-city, multi-state franchise. It's gone through lots of growing pains, from a partnership to becoming a solo enterprise, undergrowing a rebrand during COVID, and has changed the way people see Pilates. With loud music pumping, surrounded by 15 incredibly fit people, this is not your mom's 100s. It's not hard to see why this form of fitness has a cult following. One of the reasons is Ariane Rached, the founder and CEO, who's not only the face of the brand, but a staple in U.S. Pilates. Your parents come from Iran pre-revolution to the U.S. with a vision of safety for their kids. Yeah, so my parents came to the U.S. pre-revolution. And it's kind of interesting because of everything going on right now. But they came to seek a better life, to seek freedom, to seek, you know, the opportunity to grow business, start families without, you know, major restrictions that were going on in the regime at the time. They moved randomly to New Mexico, Las Cruces, New Mexico. And that's where I was born. Super quaint town, small town. Everybody knew each other. It was an amazing experience, very different from Miami in a lot of ways. I, you know, eventually we we moved off to Maryland and I grew up in Maryland for most of my life. Um, and I was just a nerdy academic kid that, you know, I fitness was something that was a constant in my life, starting from a very young age, but in different capacities. But I was just very academically inclined, but I just kind of needed an outlet. And I think that was just a really special moment in my t- in my life, like to experience unconditional love and to really have great friends that always like supported you and what you did, no matter what it was, like, even if it was like running for school president, you know, you always had like your friends rooting for you. When I look back on it, it was just a really innocent, fun time. And I I think I will always appreciate my childhood because I think it's just allowed me to develop the friends and connections that I have today. Mm. And I know something that is big in the Persian community, education and higher education is really important. I know that's part of your journey. Coming into college, was fitness on your mind or like kind of what were you focusing on? In college, it was something that just helped me get through no matter what I was going through emotionally. I mean, you change a lot as from a girl to a woman, Um, the kinds of relationships and friendships you have change. And it was just one thing that I I was always able to rely on um, that was always there for me, like whether it was, you know, being able to go on a run with my, you know, with just putting on my shoes and be able to get out there to going to the gym or just spending time with friends. I, I was always outdoorsy, always wanted to be outside, very much connected with nature. And um, I went to undergrad and grad school in the Bay Area. So there's just there's not a shortage of amazing things that you can do out there. So I always felt connected to fitness in some capacity. Um, for me, it was so much less about aesthetics. It was just more about um growth. It was about meeting personal goals. It was about my own version of physical strength rather than what I looked like in the mirror at the time. And I think that's something that's always resonated with me. 
Mm. But coming out of college, you didn't study. You were focused on something completely different. In terms of like an entrepreneurial path, no way. Like I had no idea that this would be, you know, would become a passion turn into a business. At the time, I was just focused on school. I studied political economy. (laughs) It doesn't sound very sexy, but it was a really cool major. Um, And I studied international policy as well. Uh, My goal at the time was really to, I mean, the ultimate goal for me at that time was to become a professor. I Mm, very much much enjoyed academics and education. And that's really something that sticks with me even today. But it was really just um, that's where I was academically inclined. I was like the, you know, the nerdy side of me continued to grow uh, throughout college and throughout grad school. And, you know, it's something that I still love and I still have a passion for. So you're out of grad school, first job. Do you work in a law firm? Where do you go from there? Yeah, I worked for an amazing, um, amazing guy actually based out of D.C. who um, I learned a little bit about intellectual property, which served me uh, uh, very well later on. But one thing I remember about him was that he was just a great boss. Um, he he taught me a lot about running a business. He taught me a lot about freedom. I didn't have that kind of like in school, you always have these deadlines and people are strict on them. And this is what it has to be. And you're it's very it's a very linear process. And then all of a sudden you're working for somebody. But he was different in his approach. He gave us the ability to like set our own hours, handle tasks the way that we wanted. I'd never worked, even though I worked since I was 14 years old, I never had a boss that trusted us so much with a task that we were given, even at high level stakes. And I just remember having that autonomy. And that really changed my perspective of like responsibility and business at the time in a way that affected me much later in life. I have a close relationship with what I did because I actually enjoyed what I did. That's interesting. You actually had kind of a master's in business within your first role that you actually had. So teaching you how to think critically on your own. Yeah, I think it's also just like being tasked with that responsibility and knowing that um, your part in in a team environment is valuable um, and the way you show up and represent and the way that you deliver is important. And it's not just somebody kind of telling you what to do and you clock in, you clock out. It was like, look, like as many hours as it takes to complete this task, that's what it is, you Mm. know, and you had to like, I had to figure out time management and people skills and all of that, like in that course of business. But I think with respect to law school, law school definitely helped me with like the infrastructure of like how to navigate the legal profession. But I didn't really learn a lot about like, what it's like to write a business at mm. the time. It served me well for many reasons I'm sure we'll talk about um, later on. But I think in the initial stages, I like you graduate and you know nothing about customer service. I mean, I didn't really like, you know, what, the other thing about being an academic is, you know, though you're working with as a team, as a collective, as a, you know, as a group, a lot of the things that you do are very individual based. Um, So it's a lot of solo work and what you're doing. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of things that, you know, you have to kind of, it's independent work, a lot of it. Um, Whereas what I learned later later on is like, you cannot survive really without a team outside of academia. Mm. So at that time, did you think, okay, this is my career path. This is what I'll do for the rest of my life. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, if somebody were to tell me like in school that this is what I would be doing, um, I would 
probably have been shocked um, because most of my friends went to when I was at Stanford, a lot of my friends were at business school and I used to make fun of them. I'm like, guys, this is like you've somehow managed to create like a vacation for yourself here where you be in school, maybe like four days of the week and the other three days is a vacation. So um, they now look back and like now they're like, do you need help now? You know, and they're and they they've been great resources for me now because I just I don't think I valued at the time like what that um, what that education was and what it really meant and what connections meant, what um, friendships meant in a different way. And I think um, I learned so much. I didn't obviously I didn't go to business school, but I mean, if you don't and you don't have that experience, I can tell you now that those that first two years of owning your own business is business school mm. <laughs> if you have to do it on your own. So how long were you in that role before you got the itch of like, okay, maybe there's something else out there for me? Or did you feel like that? Or did you just stumble? So it wasn't like a one day switch. I think I I had I had in mind that what I could do was turn this sort of passion for fitness into like a hobby, basically. And the first studio that I had, funny enough, had a Pilates studio built in the front and an office built in the back so I could continue to practice law. So I was thinking like, maybe this will take, you know, a couple hours a week. I think when I talk to a lot of different entrepreneurs, like they know that this was their path. They know that it was going to be like a hundred million dollar company or they knew that this was the path. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm spending everything I've possibly made in, you know, my jobs leading up to this on Pilates equipment. (laughs) Wait, so pause there. Take me back. Okay, so take me into this moment. You're you have a full time job. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, this is something that I do on the side. Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. It fills me up in a different way that my work is not filling me up. I think like to be honest, I think that real moment was, I'm not joking you, when that Pilates, those that Pilates equipment got removed off the truck. And <laughs> I think that's when it really hit me. I think like literally construction, I was fine, you know. But once, once I you Pilates- already decided at this point, okay, I'm gonna start a business. Yeah. Okay. So you like it's like I'm doing this, but I'm also going to do this on the side. Yeah. Or did you quit outright? So I didn't have like, it's really crazy. I didn't have that much thought into this. This is what's that, this really is hard funny. to like, believe. A lot of people like have these like crazy business plans and they have like, you know, it's all wealth. And by the way, like I recommend that. It's not that I'm saying, don't do this the way that I initially thought. I didn't have like a tremendous amount of thought on like whether or not like it was going to be successful and how far I could take it because I don't think I really knew what I was getting myself into you know, share this with my friends, share this with like a smaller community. Um, I don't think I had the vision of like growing it or I I think at the time, all I thought was it would be really great if I could just make my money back on this, like in terms of an investment. And I don't think I really had an eye. I I definitely didn't really know anything about customer service at the time. I think what the law teaches you a lot about is what's right and wrong, what's fair and unfair. It doesn't really teach you about the subtle and very important nature of customer service and client relations. And so I, I a lot of that I had to learn on on the job. But I think there wasn't like a I think there was a moment where I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be something, you know. But even then, I think when clients started coming in, I think that's when I really felt an obligation to the community, an obligation to serve people um, and to make a difference. But it, I again didn't have that much bigger vision set from the from the beginning. And I think just going back to what we were talking about earlier is, you know, I think Coming from, you know, a family of immigrants where whose sole purpose is like just to provide and make it and have safety and security, 
um, it's kind of a scary thing because entrepreneurship is, you know, doesn't provide that at at all points at all times and so you go through a lot of ups and downs and um it's not a linear path and i think a lot of you know immigrant families want that linear path just solely for the security purpose and safety i think it comes from a good place um but it's a scary thing to step out and and lose everything you've built you know cuz so much of that was taken away from you in some capacity when you you come to this country for opportunity and freedom and you know you want to maintain and preserve that and i so i think a lot of that um my friends that i went to law school with were like okay sign us up for the first class you know and that was really cool that like i all of a sudden had all and i i did have a lot of friends that came out and said to me oh, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have like, you know, flipped into my passion or, you know, gone for something. People tell me that still today that they wish they would have like pivoted in some way, but I never think it's too late. I just think it's like a timing thing. So take me into the one studio. You're full in, yeah. 100%. You're now officially entrepreneur. <laughs> it was interesting. There was like no boutique fitness around at the time. It was just kind of starting. It didn't have, it was like, it was 2000. I mean, when I decided it was 2012 and then when I first opened, it was 2013 and there wasn't a lot of boutique fitness around in the blog. Like now you see a ton of it everywhere. The whole model has changed um, away from the, you know, there's now compliments to the gym industry, but there's tons of boutique fitness around. It really changed um, from the first few years. But that first year was just like boot camp 101. Like I had no help from the outside. I was just trying to figure out things, literally trial by fire. That's just what it was. Um, I would fail and I would fail fast um, because I felt like it was important. Like I would just learn ego had to drop. So I know early on you collaborated in a partnership in order to launch the business. And then um, in time you transitioned into a solo enterprise. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think anybody who enters a partnership enters into it with the hope that it will be successful. Um, and I think for me, so much of myself was poured and so much of my identity was poured in what I did. And that experience of like detangling from a, something that doesn't serve you anymore was it's single like to date it's the hardest thing I ever went through. There's that voice that speaks to you that says something's not right. Something's not right. And I just didn't want to listen to that voice because I didn't want to sacrifice what you know, what the brand was and what we were doing in the community. And that made me really nervous. But I think the moment that I made that decision was critical. And it was so important for myself, not just for the business, but for personal growth. Like I finally felt like, okay, I've got, I'm up on my two feet and everything from there. It was, I, I won't lie to you and tell you that it was an easy process to untangle, but everything after that felt even more authentic to who I was and felt safer and felt um, like I finally felt like I had a future. Change is scary. Yeah. Change is super scary and letting go of what you've known to work for you, even if it doesn't work perfect, yeah. feels safer than the unknown of what you could be doing. And I think it speaks volumes to how brave you are, that that's something that you were willing to go through. And hopefully those are like lessons that everyone can take. That's something that I know I consistently remind myself when I'm like, there's something new that I want to try, but I'm like, but it's different. Yeah. Different, scary. Even yeah. though different can be good, it can still be really scary. So you're now completely on your own. 
feeling lighter, feeling more energized to do things, what's kind of like the next step? I know like in the timeline in my mind, I have an idea of what's coming, but give me a sense of kind of like what were your next steps from there? Well, can you imagine like, so if we're looking at a timeline, this was happening right around, oh, let's say COVID. (laughs) So now imagine where I'm at. Now I'm, you know, rebranding, starting over brand new. I remember getting sort of like, I was listening to media and messages and it's not like maybe there's going to be studio closures. All I knew in that moment was that we were shut down closed. Like that means there's no money coming in the bank account. That means that there's leases that you have to pay for, that you have instructor payroll, that you have regular payroll, that you're like trying to build something while basically the world is shut down that I needed to take advantage of. And part of that actually was doing things that I think paid off, which were like negotiating leases and, you know, rebranding this company and creating a new website and a new Instagram and like hiring people. Like, I don't know very many people that were like hiring during COVID. Like, I was just like, I know we're going to come out of this. I don't know when, but what we do, I want to be strong. And so like I took a very unconventional path and I I don't think like you can really judge anybody during this time because everybody experienced it really differently. Different demographics, different states had different rules and regulations. But during that time, I just said I was holding on to that hope that one day this world would come back to what it is right now. As an entrepreneur, just put on my business hat for a second and go and speak to my landlords and renegotiate leases and and negotiate more leases and hire and, you know, make all these improvements in the business, then I'll be. So that was a risk. That was that's not a risk. I think that, you know, a lot of people would have taken given the state of, hey, we're in full shutdown. But I took that risk. Um, And I'm really glad that I did because it really did pay off in dividends over time you really saw either people kind of like sink or swim in these experiences. And there's a number of things that sort of came my way, um, including another partnership with another gym that like ended up at a time, came into my life at a time that, you know, I was not ready for a partnership in any way. Um, But we as a team came together and just said like, let's bring people back into our spaces. I learned a lot about people during that time. I learned a lot about like survival instincts during that time. I learned a lot about... Um, what it what it was like to take care of people during a hard time too. I think that's also important. Also, like vice versa. I think that I recognize like courage and bravery and strength and a lot of my team that I haven't, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to witness that um in that capacity. So to have a really strong team at that time who believed sort of in a vision and a future um was critical in what we did. And I think they also they they do see the fruits of their labor paying off now. So I think you learn a lot during crisis. I, I I would honestly venture to say I learned more in three months of that crisis than I did my entire, like, you know, experience in business from 2013. Really? That's so interesting. I think people during that time kind of had like a fight, flight, freeze, or like regroup experience, especially like business owners. And I think it's super admirable and just incredible that you, you know, you kept the stuff that you had and you decided like, I'm going to expand because I know this is going to end at some point. And when it ends, I want people to turn around and see that I've like doubled from the time that they last saw me. And I think that's like a really incredible and, and really brave way to go about it that I don't think like off the top of my mind, I can't think of a lot of businesses that decided, you know what, like I'm going to take this time to renegotiate leases. I'm going to put myself in a better position coming out of this than I am right now. So I think that just like says a lot. 
Yeah, and open more stores, I think, during that time. Nobody was doing that. Nobody was going to commercial tenants in South Florida and asking for, you know, a lease. (laughs) You were their best customer. (laughs) I was like, out there, like, hey, you got a spot for me? I'll take it. They're like, everything's empty. You can take anything you want. But I really recognize, like, wow, this is, if there's any time, it's an interesting time to try to, you know, to level up and think about the future. But at that point, because I think, When you're in something that doesn't serve you, your vision is blocked. And I think like when you step out of that, your vision completely opens up. Like I don't think I ever saw myself as a larger company at the time because I felt like at some point I was going to hit, you know, a wall. And when you you think that, then like your vision is skewed. And so I think when I stepped out of that and I was released of, you know, things that didn't serve me anymore and I was able to, like, stand up for myself and get out of whatever I needed to at the time, you your vision just changes. Like, you have a completely different vision for where the business goes. And, like, for the first time, I saw a company that – that one that I wanted, the one that I think could grow and the one that I could think, you know, could be a global brand. But I think a lot of things tend to, you know – taint or block our vision and there are a ton of external factors and you know some of them are real they're not just like things that we think in our head some of them are real and you have to figure out how to like navigate that I mean the only thing is I you know I think a lot of people say this that they wish they would have done these things sooner do you feel that way are there things that you're like oh looking back oh I would have done this if I like a hindsight. I think the timing of this like all how it happened and when it happened was the right time but I you know I think if I were to give myself advice, like from the get go, I would say like, if something is not serving you from the start, like think about, or just step out of it, you know, step mm-hmm. out of it. If there's something that's just not sitting right with you, um, explore that, you know, instead of ignoring and explore why it's not sitting well with you. Do you think that's more of a trusting your gut conversation or more of a business oriented conversation? It could also just be cultural. Like I think, you know, growing up, the way that I did, it was like, you know, put your head down and work and don't complain and, you know, everything will be just fine. And I think it wasn't a lot of, you know, voicing your own opinion on certain things. I think there are moments that you have that that shape you. And I think there wasn't, you know, coming to this country and be giving so much opportunity. You just like don't want to have that taken away in any capacity. So I think part of that was just like I was always okay in environments where I didn't have, you know, that level of confrontation. And now, you know, having stepped out of it, I've had completely different experience. Mm. COVID's happening. You're expanding. What's the vision? I know since then you've grown quite a bit. You know, as soon as I was out of that and I really just saw, you know, this brand started to become something that people started to relate to it, that it was like fun and kitschy and like just it was a fun experience. I was I was happy to see that people related to that. I was also just like super happy to see that like what I thought about people and my clients and like my team like actually was true. I think it's worth to point out too at this point that the brand explodes on social media. Like It's a very visual, and we'll link everything below so you guys can see it, but it's a very visual workout. The yeah. branding is incredible. It's very exciting. It's like the music is loud. Like it has an incredible energy to it. So I think at this point, like introducing that, like the word of mouth has now like quadrupled, right? So yeah. you're like exploding on like in a digital sense too. Yeah, and then my, my vision just expanded from there. I said like, okay, 
what's stopping me now from being a national company? What's stopping me now from being, you know, setting up as a franchise or thinking about more corporate stores? Like what's setting me, you know, what's stopping me for thinking about, you know, my company Trumbull now as a global brand? And I, I, those experiences early on are critical to how I make decisions today. Like, yes, I do think through them, but I also think about what's holding me back. And if it's fear, then I usually don't listen to it. It was like a, something logical <laughs> that there's a reason why I shouldn't be doing this and I have to think it through. Then yes, of course, I'll listen to that voice. How do you decipher between those two? Because I think that's a very relatable point that you just brought up. It's very hard for some people, myself included at times, to decipher. Is the, Am I not doing this because I'm scared? Or is it maybe that it's like too big or I'm like biting off more than I can chew? Like what does that look like? Um, it's a it's well, first of all, it's definitely an exercise. Part of it is listening. Um, part of it is peeling the onion. So like when you literally dissect it and and think to yourself, okay, you know, what is, you know, we, we often come up with like tangible reasons about why this won't work. And then you're like, okay, is that true or false? And then I am able to extract back from there. And if I can kind of peel it back enough where I'm like, I'm just scared, <laughs> then I'll just, you know, then I know that, you know, this is more about myself and fear than anything else. But because I, I just the recognition of that is important. Like just the recognition that like, hey, this is fear talking is as important. People forget about this whole thing that it's like, it's the process. Even in what we do, Pilates, you know, it's a great end result to have a nice body or to feel great about yourself. But it's really about the process. It's like the person next to you that's just working just as hard. It's the fact that you're coming in to an in-studio experience when COVID told us that everything is going to be at home now. Like, why did people flock back into you know, studios like mine. Like, why? Why did that happen? I think people realize, like, they need connection. They want that, like, sense of affirmation. They want that experience again. Um, and that's not always going to happen in home. I think people were just super tired of, like, the Zooms and this and that. And, they, and at the end of the day, we're people. We want to be, you know, we want to feel connected in some capacity. We want to feel like we're important and that we're special. And these things are really important to understanding the psychology of how we operate and why we do what we do, why we take the time to recognize people's milestones, why we take the time to, you know, highlight amazing instructors and clients and what we're doing, why we take the time to remember your name or, you know, something special about you. Like, it's not just like, oh, I've completed this number of classes. It's like, whoa, that first hundred is just... It's hard, you know, and so if you're sitting next to somebody that's like completed their first hundred and you've got them with a veteran who's at 1200 classes, it's it's pretty badass. Which, by the way, guys, if you can just do one <laughs> one class, you should be proud of yourself. A hundred classes is insane. So yeah. if you can just do one, be really happy and like proud of yourself, just keeping one. So part of community is like such a big part of your brand. And it's something yeah. that's like palpable, not just through social, but when you experience it in person, as you have this vision of like franchising, growing to other cities, becoming a national brand, moving into like a global sphere, like how do you maintain that sense of community when you're now like much bigger than you were like many years ago? I think when like my strategy for scaling has been to find operators um, on the franchise side in particular that are that are in line with the values like our core values of our of our business and who can really sit in front of me and talk about like why they want to do this beyond numbers. Um, that's always been really important to me, like, you know, whether a community is lacking this type of workout and that they want to bring this because the, their community is underserved. Like, that's important for me to to recognize that. But 
you know, I'm looking for people that really understand the tremble magic and like why it is just not your average Pilates studio. And if they can kind of express that in a way that is in line with what we do, that's really what I want. I mean, I could, I mean, yeah, I could open up anywhere and have any operator take over this business, but that's not really what I want. I want to find strong-minded people that really want to grow the community aspect of what we do and are in line with what we do. I think that's going to be really important. That's And that's the hard part. I mean, that's the hard part to find good people that want to keep the quality of the business the way that it is because, you know, we're South Florida based, but now moving out of this this market, you know, quickly, this is what's going to be really important to continue that. And every time, you know, part of that reason was we would have clients come in from out of state and they would just say, I wish I had a tremble in my hometown. And I would go if it was in my hometown. And I felt it. I felt it like, you know, globally, I felt people were coming in from you know, all parts of the world and different parts of the US. And they really wanted to see a tremble in their hometown. And I thought, you know, you know, we have we're, we have a vision to grow a certain number of corporate stores and we have a vision to bring on certain operators that we think would be in line and and maintain quality control for what we want to do. Going back to like that first studio yeah. when you're like, hey, I didn't think this was going to be this <laughs> mega thing, right? I just want to do something that I feel excited about and I want to contribute to the community and I want to connect with people around me and I want my friends to be excited. Do you have like a different vision for it now than you did at that time? A hundred percent. I mean, to go from... I want to just maybe make, you know, maybe <laughs> bag a few dollars I spent here on some Pilates equipment to, um, you know, I want Tremble to be a global brand is a very big, big difference in my mindset at the time. And some of that came through experience and some of that came through hard work, you know, like actually doing work on yourself mm. to believe that. I, I remember people told me that in the early years, people would say like, this can be a global brand. This can be a global brand. And I just would look at them like they were completely crazy. I'm like, what do you mean? Like this could be a global brand. It's also important to say those goals out loud and to believe them and to really like live and breathe by them because everything I've like, I've gone into has seemed like, okay, but I, I can't do it because it's a scary door and because I don't know enough about it. That's how I, my brain thinks. I don't know enough about it. So I'm not ready to go into that. I'm not ready to say that. And I know other people that are just different. Like they're willing to just say that, you know, they'll just say it out loud and they'll, uh, they'll live and breathe it. But what I've realized is that that is so important that if you want to be a global brand, you need to start to say it and to believe it. And, and that also includes a tremendous amount of hard work and there's a lot that goes on behind it, but you have to believe the dream. You have to believe what you're doing. And I think I, I've definitely gotten to a place where I believe that, you know, I, I can see Tremble as a global brand and that I'd love to make an Im impact on different communities that I don't think I could get to alone. Hmm, and and yeah. now I have a lot more trust in people and a vision and that people want that. And with people who want to see that vision through. And so I'm in a much different place than I think I was when I first opened. And I think just also just letting go and trusting other people was probably, they say this all the time that, you know, entrepreneurs get caught up because they feel like they can do everything themselves. And you realize scaling a company, you got to let that go. You have to start, you know, letting people do what they do best and allowing people to make mistakes and learn from them. And it's all a process, you know, and I think the, you know, it's not a destination. It's really the journey to get there. I think that's, that's very true for what I do. It's the process. And I, the process I love is the creation. You know, I ultimately love seeing people happy. And I love that it's, do, we're doing this in a way that is providing a massive health benefit, um, 
also a preventative health benefit too for many people. Um, but I never, even though I have a macro view, um, I never forget the micro, which is just like the person that walks into you that says like, hey, this helped me get through this in my life or this, you know, is the reason why, you know, is, is the most consistent thing in my life right now. Or, you know, the people that tell you sort of behind closed doors what the brand means to them, that's really like the vehicle that like leads me forward to do what I do, even though the picture, you know, I've got a big picture to get there, but it's, it's those kinds of conversations I have with people that like truly drive me to like, you know, stay up later, work harder, think about a new project. Like that's really what drives me. Sure. As you continue to scale, obviously trust is such a big part. This is your child. This is something that you created that now you're putting in the hands of someone else and saying like, okay, I trust that you're going to represent me and you're going to represent the brand in your city in a way that's still reflective of like what I've built for the past 10 years, right? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that COVID taught me was resilience to have people that are going to go the extra mile for what you're going to do, to have people that can deal with um, difficult times just as well as good times for the company. I think like looking for resilience in human beings is a very, very important quality. Um, and there's ways to, you know, sort of ask questions and go through that. Um, but I think that's that's a huge part of what we want to do to find people that and also people that will go the extra mile. Like I, I, I noticed that in our, from our customer service level and even from our team, like people that are willing to go above and beyond sort of like what's what they're given on paper to do. People that really think about, you know, think about the experience as a whole. That's more important to me than anything else. And having the bit and also looking for people who also have a big picture in mind. I really want to be with people who like see the vision and, and want to win. I think that's really exciting. What's really exciting about what we do right now is that we have so much talent on our team. Like being a decade in fitness is not an easy thing to do. So I recognize that we have a tremendous amount of talent on our team that I really want people to explore what they love to do the best and like continue to operate a team while bringing other outside infrastructure in. I want to do that. But I think that's, you know, like, you know, one of, one of, like, one of our core values is together. Like, we move as a unit. We move together. Like, if there's, you know, one bad apple, we have to consider that for the entire team. Um, and I think that's important for quality control as you grow. And, like, that's the most important lesson because I went through that, you know. I mean, it was one of the hardest times to go through, like, optically what looks like a failure, and how do you get up from that is like more important to me than how you succeed and succeed and succeed and succeed. I think it's how how do you get up um, when you've gone through a tough time? And that's something that's really resonated with me because of what I went through. And I think of people like you that have built a really interesting brand and an incredibly successful business, but people don't see like the all-nighters the parties that you missed, like the weddings you didn't get to go to, the people you didn't go on dates with, like all of these things that like you didn't get to do because your goals were so big, right? And your goals continued to be so big. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be a disservice to like sugarcoat it. I think there are really, really, really difficult times um, when you're an entrepreneur and you are bound to go through days where you think that you're on top of the world and days where you like want to throw in the towel and like just you know, completely stop what you're doing, you will go through those highs and lows. And I think going back to my childhood, it was like, I think my, like, 
as parents, you know, you want to protect your kid from necessarily going like they may reach the highs, but they also may hate the lows. So like some people want to contain you in that in that range of emotions and you can understand why they would feel what they did. But I think if I was like a Gen Z, I would feel probably the same way because you're just seeing everything through social media and Instagram and TikTok and you're seeing the highlights and and the stories and like the best out of the best out of people. But this takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of sacrifice to do what you're doing. It takes a lot of, you know, push. Was not somebody definitely growing up that asked for any kind of help. I didn't want any help. I didn't want any support. And the one thing, the one piece of advice I would be, I would say is sit down with people who have done this and who have done it well and and talk to them about their failures and ask them how they got up and ask ask them about about the downtimes as well as the good times. It's always great. We were like surrounded by plethora of information of, you know, success stories and how they got there. But nobody really knows the back side of that, the ugly side of that, you know, the legal sometimes side of that. And if you're somebody who is very emotionally invested in your business, like I was, uh, you know, I didn't really create any boundaries. I'm starting to. I'm, wor- I'm working on I'm working in progress. But if you don't create boundaries, you're deeply impacted by that. What seem like typical business problems to people weigh on you in like on a much bigger scale on a much bigger level than I think most people can understand. Like it can, you know, customer issue can like really just ruin your day because you really feel for it. Or like a legal issue could present itself as like a, you know, like a massively catastrophic issue because it just means so much to you. And so it's important to have boundaries. It's important to be around people who have gone through similar experiences. And like, I think at any level of entrepreneurship, it's always good to have friends, family, support, and and really sit and listen to people, especially in the earlier stages of business. I, you know, you just think you're the leader, you're the leader, you're the leader. You don't have to listen to anyone. And I can tell you from my perspective that if you are a leader who doesn't listen, you are going to cut yourself short of a lot of different paths and a lot of different ways to get to success and can be really tough for a lot of entrepreneurs to get to. I mean, I definitely, it's one of, I think, the most impactful um, groups that I'm part of today. I think it made a huge impact on me personally. It's a, it's an organization where, you know, you are surrounded around other people specifically who have started their own businesses. So they're not people who have like, fallen into something or maybe they're not an executive something they're just they've literally started something from scratch and so this is really helpful because you hear about you're you don't you really talk about what we call the five percent the five percent is like the top bottom and top and bottom five percent of your personal and your business life that you probably wouldn't share with the average person i may not give you the wins like hey we're financially killing it this month i should tell you about that or may not give you like the losses you know of like hey you know i got this really bad employee in this situation this has been really bothering me so it's really the top and bottom five percent of our personal and business lives that like we probably wouldn't share with the average person we may not even share with our families um, because our families may not understand what we're going through. And the reason why I say personal and business is because the two often seem to intertwine for many entrepreneurs um, that, you know, a business issue is can become a personal issue and a personal issue becomes a business issue. And so they're often interchangeable um, when you realize what you're going through in this process. And so having that group to be there for like your wins and your losses and is when um, my business group, I remember, they're not supposed to tell you what to do, but um, we actually have this thing called Guest Out where we don't tell people what to do. We just like, simply experience share. And there was a moment where we were doing, you know, a brainstorm. 
session when I was thinking about going out on my own and what that would look like. And my business group, I remember they said to me as an option, they said, what if you just walked away from everything? And I was like, what do you mean walk away from everything? I'm like, don't you realize what I've worked towards for like for the last like, I don't know, eight years or seven years? I was like, this has been my 24-7. And they're like, but don't you realize if you walked away from everything and started over that you would be even more successful than you ever were? I was I remember like walking out of that meeting and being kind of mad because I was like, what kind of advice is this? They have no idea what I'm going through. I'm trying to save this thing. And being told, hey, just walk away from everything seemed like the most like despicable advice I could get at the time. Like you like you guys really don't know me. You guys. And I say guys because they're they were actually all guys. They're like my brothers. Um, and I really didn't know what they meant until I started over do all the stuff I was talking about where it's like a rebrand and a website and an Instagram and a, and and redo the portals and bring back people into the studios and go get new studios and do new contracts and like just start over. I had to start over. And granted, I started with experience over. But what they were saying to me was like, it's in you. It's within you to create this. It's not attached to a place or a thing or a lease or a or somebody else's Instagram or somebody else's website. It's not, it's not any of that. It's like within you. I really didn't understand that lesson until like I was sitting across from them like a year later and I was like, well, times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, remember that advice? Yeah, remember that advice. But I, I think they really believed in me as a person and they really saw what I was doing every day. And they were saying like, there's not, a lot of yous in this world, you know, that can do that. And to have that, just that sense of affirmation, and I know we should have it in ourselves, um, but just that sense of affirmation that they had in me gave, it, it set something in me to trust myself more and to like believe in myself that I think gets lost um, when you're attached to something, um, when you're attached to a name, a brand, a piece of clothing, um, your sales report, your um, like all the metrics that tell us every day, like what defines success, like what we wear, how much we make, how we do, like whatever it is. I just didn't really, I thought these were all like we were in this business group for a reason. Like we all, even to get there, like I thought like, okay, well you have to be, you know, you have to be at a certain level. So having that metric like turn around and say like the metric is you, it's like, it's within you to be able to do this, like was transformational for me. I look back at that advice. I'm like, all right, I'm like, you guys were right. With a really, <laughs> really, really amazing team behind me because it wasn't, you know, there's no I in team. Um, it was a really, it takes a lot of people to, you know, um, it's a lot of responsibility to what we do. So again, it's not just me, but just that moment of, you know, you are capable of leading this pack was like a very important moment for me. And I, you know, I look, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, there's so many good things. I mean, even to pull so many things out of that, it's that when you invest in yourself and you have taken that education with you, that's something that no one can ever take away from you. So not just your formal education, but the experience that you had, the faith in yourself, the belief in yourself, the lessons that you learned, the all-nighters, like having to stand up. All of these things are things that are now like tools in your tool belt that no one can ever take away from you. And that has to be just like such an incredible and like powerful feeling. Yeah. You're invincible. <laughs> Okay, so one thing wrapping up that I love to do is ask if you have a not 
safe for work story that you can share with us. And don't worry, we will not disclose names. This will remain between us and our listeners. Do you have anything you can share? I remember um, when I was first starting out in the business that I remember having a group of women approach me after class and they were like, you know, just chatting up. They basically said like, don't worry, you won't have to do this for much longer. If you meet somebody, <laughs> you won't have to do this anymore. They thought you were just like, waiting. Yeah, they were just like thinking I like started the studio to meet like the man of my dreams. And that's how it was only that. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> they like literally thought that, you know, I was going to get swept off my feet and like be taken care of for the rest of my life. And I remember turning around and be like, oh my God, I like my job. You're like, I'm sweeping myself yeah, my own. myself off my own feet. Thank you very much. I mean, it was kind of a funny moment that stuck with me because I was just like, oh man, am I giving the vibes that like I, you know, do I really want to be here? But I really wanted it. I <laughs> loved it. It was what I did. But I was just thought it was funny that all these women thought I was just doing it just to like, you know, you know, eventually have myself taken care of in some capacity. Maybe they saw you as marriage material. Exactly. So they were encouraging yeah. them. I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Again, I know you are so incredibly busy with everything that you're doing. And thank you for sharing your space and your story. It was so inspiring to me and I'm sure inspiring to everyone that's listening. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in today. And don't forget to look for Don't Tell My Boss on all of your favorite streaming platforms and social media at Don't Tell My Boss, the podcast. And don't forget, do not report me to HR. 